I am the vixen of vines. I am Mother Nature's fury. I am also a podcast. I am a podcast. 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 Whoa! It's a show. It's a show. Audio only, though. What is it about? If you have time, I can tell you that it is a podcast about Batman, a Batman podcast. Uh, what did you want me to say in this part? It's a show! Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> I am a podcast. Whoa! Hey! with fans and people. Hey dudes, welcome to another Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Michael, and you're listening to an audio variety show for your ears about the legendary 1990s cartoon, Batman the Animated Series. Today's sponsor, Poison Ivy's Hypno Lipstick. Who said you can't look nice and poison and or hypnotize somebody at the same time? Speaking of Poison Ivy, today on the show I'll be sitting down with the voice of the villain herself, Diane Pershing. I'll also be chatting it up with Bat fan and friend Alana Gospinetich. So, what are we waiting for? Nothing! That's what we're waiting for. Let's go! Today's episode, Pretty Poison. Harvey Dent becomes romantically involved with a mystery woman, a botanist named Pamela Isley. When Dent is poisoned after a dinner date, Batman investigates and winds up fighting for the life of his best friend and facing off against the newly minted rogue, Poison Ivy. Original air date, September 14th, 1992. Story by Paul Dini and Michael Reeves. Teleplay by Tom Ruger. Directed by Boyd Kirkland. Music by Shirley Walker. Animation services by Sunrise. Featuring Kevin Conroy, as always, as Batman, Richard Maul as Harvey Dent, pre-Two-Face, and Diane Pershing's debut as Poison Ivy. Pretty Poison may not be the best Poison Ivy episode the series has to offer, but it's still a fun one. It features the origins of one of the show's most memorable rogues and provides a rare window into pre-Two-Face Harvey Dent and marks the first appearance of GCPD officer Rene Montoya. The episode came early in the series' run and definitely shows signs of the cartoon struggling to find its voice. On the one hand, I love how much time we get to spend with the Gotham Police Department and Bruce's relationship with Harvey. It only makes the Two-Face two-parter that much harder to watch, but it comes at the expense of really giving Poison Ivy an emotionally rich backstory. She's pretty much all villain from the start, which makes her feel like a weaker rogue than, say, Mr. Freeze or Clayface. Luckily, Ivy gets her due down the line with excellent episodes like House and Garden and Harley and Ivy. Diane Pershing's voice work is top-notch from the get-go, and the music is appropriately creepy and off-kilter, just like Ivy. It's a real shame the animation is so spotty across the board because it really makes the episode feel worse than it actually is. I mean, that said, it's not the worst episode of the series, and who doesn't like a Batman vs. Giant Venus flytrap finale underscored by weird classical music? That scene in particular inspired a boss fight in the Super Nintendo game based on the animated series. Fun fact, guys! Okay, enough of that. It's time for... Today's fan... Alana Gospinetich. Alana is a Batman-loving buddy of mine, not to mention an actor and comedian, look up These Are My Friends on the YouTubes, and also happens to be a dancer on the LA City Municipal Dance Squad. She's a whole lot of fun, and we had a great time talking Ivy and more in this interview.
I'm sitting down with Alana Gospinetich. Got it. Like, I'm friends with you and I don't know how to pronounce your name, but I do know how to say Mr. Mixius Pitlick. The Superman <laughs> villain is the little imp. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, but I was like... This... It's a tough one. It's a Croatian name. Mm-hmm. This is very exciting. Uh, we, got, we always start with an explanation, the etymology of the name. Of the etymology name. of the name. Yes. From Brač, Croatia. No, it's it's a long name. It's it's uh, 12 letters and it's exciting. It's I In my phone, it's Alana G. Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone would be like, uh, all my friends teased me that it was Alana Gosh My Nuts Itch, which... Gosh, my nuts itch. At one point made me cry, and then later in life I found really funny, so. Right, there is a turning point. Yeah, you're uh, like, I get, I get the joke now. I'm but like, when you're a kid, it Ugh. sucks. I was mostly just like, I don't have any nuts. <laughs> so they don't even get the chance to itch. <laughs> the itch I'll never know. <laughs> uh, so, we're here to talk Poison Ivy. Yes. Uh, I hit you up because immediately the episode that you wanted to talk about originally was a different Poison Ivy episode. Yes. But I was like... This is a great... This is an origin. And and you know what? Because I rewatched this, which I have all of them on DVD, so that was fun to like bring them out and put it in a DVD the player. I know. I was like, this old is... Old media. <laughs> not, not going to Netflix for once. And um, it's such a good setup for... For like Bruce, you get to find out about Bruce personally. You find out about him and Harvey Dent's relationship. Yeah, it's just I like kind of this that. cute little like friendship, and him being like, "Oh, does she have a sister or whatever?" You know, like there's a lot of little throwaway like I forgot about friendship that. lines. Um, I knew I really enjoyed going back to it, and it in no way was like, "Oh, this was from my child." I'm like, "This is still so good. This is like." This is so well done. Right? <laughs> it just blows my mind. I I forgot how it started, that mm-hmm. it is a flashback. Yeah. It's like in sepia, sepia. How do yeah, you pronounce yeah. that? I say sepia. I don't know if that's I say the sepia correct. too, but that's I'm not sure. That's how my sure. photo teacher said in high school. Okay, I'll trust a photo teacher from yeah, high school. I think then I again, should. my AP bio <laughs> teacher used to say, uh, oh, he used to say AP fungi. Bio. Is fungi? Fungi <laughs> versus fungi? fungi. Oh, God. So I don't know what the correct version of that is. I think it's fungi. Yeah, right? I think you were taught by an idiot. Right. We cheated the entire... This is probably terrible to admit, but we had took AP Bio and just openly cheated the entire time. It was <laughs> just terrible because the teacher was so bad that we didn't understand anything. And right, you had that photo teacher <laughs> proctoring uh, your yeah, was, bio exam. It was, Ellen, it was Mr. Salark again. <laughs> Hi guys, I'm back. Like, no, you don't know anything. Anyway, I'm going to say sepia in a corner <laughs> facing away from you while you take this AP biology exam. Basically. Uh, uh, but yes, the flashback, it's so... Uh, <laughs> The drama of the roses being unearthed. I loved, uh, also, there's a little sass in the, the, they have like a, the flash forward, like five years later. Yeah. Like a, a cleaner, brighter goth. What was it? They, they kind of like, it's got a sarcastic slant to it. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know, the, the heading. I don't I, remember the exact heading. But... Me neither. I should have researched this before starting a podcast <laughs> uh, about an episode. 
Should we just stop it right now? Yes. Okay. Okay, good. Bye. Bye. Last one. <laughs> last one. This is the last episode. Abruptly. I had a brain fart. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> uh, but I did like that it started like that. I don't think they ever do that again. I feel like it was very early in the series and they were like, just trying stuff out. Yeah. It did, it did have that feel of like they really, not that anything was wrong with it, but it, it does feel different than the ones in the next seasons or even in, later in the first season. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's clunky. Still, <laughs> yeah, it's a little clunky. It's still just like getting its footing. And uh, I don't I just thought it was really enjoyable to go back and watch watch something that I hadn't seen in a while. Not like since my childhood. I'd probably seen it in college and stuff like that. I think that. that was the last time I watched this yeah. one. This wasn't one of my favorites, honestly. Uh-huh. I liked a lot of the later Poison Ivy stuff more. Yeah. But... Oh, I, like the one where she has the babies? Yeah, that's my favorite that's one. That's such a good episode. Oh, House and Garden. That's a Paul Dini too, right? That's a Paul Dini. Yeah. And that's also more of an emotionally driven like character story yeah. than this one is. This one, she's yeah. like, I'm an evil sex pot. Yeah. Yeah, uh, she doesn't... Ha- she has a much funner like character arc in that episode that one she's longing for a family and and that's i don't know more relatable and it's sad to see him think like oh she's got it figured out and like nope she's just growing them oh she's just growing them they're just evil plant mutants (laughs) who also are dying over and over (laughs) like it just makes her seem very unlovable but by her by her own design you know like she's the one who keeps people at bay yeah i think that's interesting about the character because it's like what is when I talked to Paul Dini a little bit in one of the our other podcast episodes, he kind of talked about how Ivy, to him, is a very cruel and manipulative character. Yes. Which she definitely is in her first outing. Oh, yeah. She's there, yeah, poisoning Dent, like, right in the first meeting with Bruce. It just is, it's, it's yeah, it's tough to see her, like, as a more fleshed out character through this episode. She's definitely, like, she's sexy and she's murderous. Right, and it's one or the other. Yeah. Sometimes at the same Sometimes time. Sometimes at the same time. Ooh. <laughs> Men like a little a little danger. <laughs> a little bit of stabbing <laughs> by a thorny plant. <laughs> a little va- vaginal thorny plant. <laughs> okay, well, let's jump to that man-eating plant. That Venus <laughs> yeah. flytrap was the most like vagina dentata vagina I've dentata. ever seen in a Batman I cartoon. I don't know when else it would come up, but yeah, it was, when else would it? in in all the previous episodes, so it truly was. It was like, literally like a snapping vagina plant. Yeah, like a snapper just snapping away at the peanut. No, I'm just kidding. Batman is very long. Yeah, Batman as the uh, the male object. The male. <laughs> Well, yeah. it, it also was one of those things that's just not explained. Like, yeah. I think a lot of the other Batman stuff at this time was, like, way more grounded. And so they just, suddenly when he goes to the greenhouse and there's a monster. And and maybe I missed, is that just her house? Like, or is it, like, what is that greenhouse? I think it's her place it's of her work, place right? Of She's work? a botanist. Oh, okay. I'm like, that is a plush, like, that she gets to live at work. But she and does have a changing chill. area. She does. See, yeah, so like they know she's staying there. It's not oh, like yeah. she's secretly. Anyway, I was just like, that's a pretty plush environment. She likes environment. plants more than humans. Yeah. Of course she's going to hang there. No, it makes sense. It's a, it's a cool villain's lair. Yeah, whenever she takes like a sunflower back to her boudoir to fuck. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. She's into, she's I into don't know. plants. She's, I, don't, I hadn't really thought about that. I was thinking about, I had like dumb thoughts when I was watching it. Like, does she, does she, does she eat salad? Like. 
What would she do there? Well, what weirdly, she, she does. And I think that that's like a conflict of interest kind of thing. But it's like they're in the Harley and Ivy. I think like she's... Because she's a sexy lady. She's got to watch her figure. Well, but still... What's she's... she going to eat? <laughs> hot dogs? Burgers. <laughs> just, <laughs> just hot dogs. What if Poison Ivy's favorite food was hot dogs? <laughs> it's down in dogs. Honestly, that would make more sense. <laughs> I know. Because I think she does serve up a salad and there's this like great little visual gag where like Harley Quinn kind of like nudges the salad into the face of the Joker. Like there's a shape of the Joker's face. And oh, shape. yeah, yeah, She yeah. misses him. But I always thought it was weird that she was eating salad. salad. Like Ivy is so pissed that somebody... Someone steps on something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that Ivy should have been really in love with hot dogs. I yeah. think she should have loved... Sal- <laughs> like she hates mammals. Yeah, she hates mammals. Right? We're ruining... <laughs> Uh, we're ruining plant life. If she's pro-plant, perfect. she's a hot dog lover for sure. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. Process, just torturing the meat before she eats it. It'd if I great. got my hands on, on, if I got my hands on the job to write a Batman comic, <laughs> I'd I think a, you're going about it the right way. Five part hot dog arc. <laughs> she, yeah, Poison Ivy opens up a hot dog stand. Hot dog stand. That's no her ketchup. Reform. Yeah. No ketchup for sure. Um... Yeah, so let's see. Let's track back to the actual, the the episode itself, the beginning of the episode, we have Harvey Dent, which is like, I love that Harvey's in it. Like, yeah. he's only in a couple episodes before he turns into Two-Face. Yeah, and then he turns into Two-Face. Uh, pretty, is it next? I think it's one or of almost, the next episodes. Yeah. I think, like, this is the fifth one that was made, and yes. it's definitely very it's soon up. after. So, yeah, so it's kind of planting him. Planting him. Yeah. Um... Yeah, showing a little bit more about him and endearing us sort of to him. I mean, he's a little bit of a, like, not a womanizer, but he's just like, I wasn't like, oh, what a great character. I love him as a man. No, he's got the broad shoulders of a womanizer. Yeah. (laughs) Classic. You can tell. Uh, But yeah, no, he, uh, you get to know him a little better and then he's like, ah, now I'm gross. (laughs) A good Two-Face impression. (laughs) Oh, yeah, thank you. I actually am uh, I'm on here to hopefully get some Two-Face work. Cool. So I'm just pitching my hot dog arc and you're pitching yes. your new <laughs> Two-Face both, voiceover. We're both very self-serving. Uh, he, yeah, he, he isn't like super likable, but he is Bruce's friend. So we're yeah. like, we need to like him. Yeah, we need to like you. We, we need to, like, you're on a date. You're in love with this lady. And Bruce is doing his thing where, like, we, he's he's late for the date because he's Batmaning he's around. Batman. He's got to do it. Which I didn't realize is something that happens in, like, in, there's a the direct-to-video Sub-Zero movie. Uh-huh. They do. They, they pull yes. the same uh, exact gag with Batgirl instead. And it's like, where's Barbara? And then it cuts to her doing the same oh, thing. Oh, yeah. But... If it ain't broke, don't, don't fix, fix it. it. Or as Cogsworth says in Beauty and the Beast, Oh, God. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Oh, gross. I think I think of that version beforehand, because that's probably where I first heard that's that That's wonderful, joke. though. Uh, yeah, I do love dumb puns, and I love lame characters, so a talking clock is my kind of right version of that joke. <laughs> well, actually, before we even dive into the episode more, like, what's your background with the animated series? Like, when did you first watch it? What's your... How do you feel about comics in general? I have always loved the animated series. I never really got into comic books. I got into the animated series first, and mm-hmm. it was on in that like sweet spot of you come home and you don't want to do your homework yet. Yeah. And what's on? It's 3.30 or 4 or something like that. And I think it was either Sailor Moon, which I love, 
and the animated series. Obviously, that is probably at different times. I have no idea. My recollection's foggy, but I just remember coming home and just like enjoying the crap out of it every <laughs> day like after work. Don't work, do I was going to say. Uh, work is. Yes. <laughs> uh, homework is the work, or school is the work of the child. The work of the child. The homework of the child is the school of the work. S- slaving at work every day. Oh my God. Can you imagine thinking yeah, that right. that was hard? I know. At this point? I had like a three hour, like, AP art class, right. Tuesdays and Thursdays, at the end of the day. And I was like, mm, gotta stick around for AP art. And like, we would just have studio art. It was so much fun. Right. Now now I'm like trying to fit in that kind of learning in my spare time. I'm like, why didn't I spend time reading this kind of stuff? Reading it. Taking care of it. Taking care of my brain. Uh, um, yeah. I, I feel like that was a huge part of watching Batman for me was putting off homework. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think it, it eventually became like a very afternoon-y show. Yeah. Like it was like 4 p.m. when they would rerun it and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Somewhere around then, at least in the L.A. area. I think so. I was in Hawaii. Oh, yeah. I forgot that so you're So I was Hawaii. watching it on our coconut dolphin television set. Right. You're not lying. I'm not lying. People don't... We didn't have electricity. We just had like yeah, pineapple-powered, solar-powered <laughs> panels. No. Uh, I wish. It would be cool. Did you ever see The Tick? I did. I love The Tick. Do you remember Pineapple Pokopo? Yay. Just, just remembering him. Well, I don't know. You said pineapples. You're, yeah. You know, you lived in Hawaii. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm excited. Uh, did you ever... What, what was it like watching Batman from a Hawaiian perspective? From a Hawaiian... From a distinctly uh, Hawaiian perspective. It was just like filled with aloha. <laughs> uh, Gotham no, was it's filled just, with aloha. Gotham was just like this... Gotham was the opposite of Aloha. No, it it was so cool and different, and and I was always like, sort of an indoorsy weird kid, and and very much not fit for Hawaii standards in some ways. But uh, uh, so I loved that. I loved all sorts of like that was like dark for kids, but some of it's pretty dark. Some of it's like pretty serious. Some of the episodes definitely hold up as dark for adults as well as kids. Yeah. But I don't know. I think I like that. I, I think my parents were like, oh, animated, you're fine, whatever. They were pretty <laughs> easygoing about all that stuff, though. That's good. They let me watch, like, Arachnophobia when I was a child, and I'm terrified to this day. Like, oh. That was a movie that scared me as a kid, too. Yeah. Wasn't Wayne Knight in it? Yes. <laughs> uh, Newman. Yes. Uh, I said, I used the intonation, but not the voice. <laughs> Newman. Newman. <laughs> Newman. No. New, new man? New man. He's a new man. Uh, great. Well, hope you guys are enjoying this. <laughs> it's going great. Uh, well, yeah, I think that's so interesting. I bet it was like, I mean, maybe I'm just writing this for you, so feel mm-hmm. free to disagree, but I feel like watching something like Batman, like that world, that city world is so crazy different looking than yeah. where you grew up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it was like very, uh, very out of the norm, very like, at the time, I, I think I hadn't even been to a big city like New York or anything, so I was just like... Wow. What is What's this? out there? I hope I get robbed one day. I know. Mom, can we get robbed, please? I, I would they... love to. Okay, baby Kermit. <laughs> Thank you, Mom. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I more so thought of Target Lady, but I was just like, oh, oh yeah. I just. Kristen Wiig as baby Kermit. Yes. <laughs> oh. Uh, I would she's watch probably that. filming it as we speak. Yeah, post Ghostbusters, that's what she's doing. That's what she's working on. Muppet Baby's to. revival. <laughs> uh, so. Pretty Poison. Uh, the title card is like kind of a it's, a, it's a fun font. I don't know if you remember it. They it's have, beautiful. 
That theme song is very creepy. Her theme, not even a I theme thought the song. music was so good. I yeah. it, that was a huge like maybe it's just like I hadn't seen it in a long time, but I was like, holy moly, kids didn't know what they were like getting, and now it's like, meh, meh. yeah. I just not all across the board, but, but I think a I lot more. There's not so... orchestral stuff. No, that's crazy. Did they use? They used probably real. Yeah, they used they a live used orchestra. Real live orchestra, right? Which is awesome. Had, that's crazy. Shirley Walker was like the lead composer. I don't know what the actual the official title is but she was heading up the music department and i know that she came up with the theme for ivy yeah but it got reused down the line but i think i think in a one of the other interviews on this podcast with lolita ritmanis she was another composer and she was saying that shirley uh composed it so it could sound like like ivy oh wow like the it's like doo, doo. All these rad ladies making good tunes. Right? Rad ladies making good tunes. Good tunes! <laughs> uh, it's so cool. I mean, the music is wonderful. Yeah. And this one, I feel like, unfortunately, the animation kind of sucks. <laughs> well, there, I did see some, like, little... There's... I don't remember what my favorite one... It's... This is... Sorry, it's such a tangent. But um, there's this one where somebody says Oscorp, but they don't draw his mouth shut. So Bruce is still talking, but like you cut back to this guy and he's like, Oscorp, and then... Anyway. Oscorp, wait a minute. Or some other corp. Not corp, not goth corp. Uh, Norman yeah. Osborn is yes, in the yes, world yes, of Batman. Yes. <laughs> no, I was like, wait a minute. But like they definitely, sense. yeah, they're, they're just like, well, we don't have time. It feels like it was rushed and like the animation was coming back shoddy. I feel like bad saying anything bad about it. Can I, know, I admit me too. that? I'm like, no, everything is fine. It's perfect, Justin. You're wrong. <laughs> I get complaints from people that are like, you just love everything. So oh, really? I will so you're, say, are you trying to add a little edge? Trying to add a little edge. Am I part of that? I think you picked the worst person. I'm like, <laughs> everything's great. I don't want to say anything mean. <laughs> right. I brought you on here to talk about how much you love the show. And then I'm like, so how terrible was it? How, Not my oh, favorite Poison Ivy episode. I feel trapped. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I do love a lot about it. There actually is one shot that looks so much better than everything else it's like it's weird because it's also like a voyeuristic shot it's the one when she's changing and she like throws her oh, hair yeah. back and suddenly the animation is oh, really the hair. pretty yeah oh my god yeah they really like spent somebody somebody had a little too much fun right they were like, <laughs> i was like oh but then the rest of there's other stuff that looks just pretty bad yeah uh, and it's a bummer because it, i think it's actually like hit or miss across the board it, it just feels like they don't they're, they weren't getting back the stuff they wanted from overseas, which I think is where they had it animated. Oh, I'm sure okay. it was boarded really well. Yeah. Like, when you see the storyboards for these episodes, they're like, oh, these are like mini comics, and they're beautiful, and they look perfect. Yeah. But sometimes when they're animated, it's like, oh, that's off model. Why does Poison Ivy's face suddenly look like it was smushed? Like there were, Oh, yeah, it. there were a few where she was like, she's smiling, and then she looked like kind of sad, and then she just looked kind of constipated. And I was like, oh. Well, her big villainous speech at the end, like, she... Like the way, like they don't seamlessly go through her emotions. The transitions are really yeah, jarring. Like, ugh, ugh, ugh. And the voice performance is really good. Yeah. And the staging of it's really good. But then the animation came back clunky. Oh. Um, well, we don't have to shit on this episode. Wow! Anymore. Wow! I know. I'm like, you know what? Justin really hates hates this. Oh show. no! No! I love the sound design uh, of the the big plant monster the big he, he has like all these sad noises when batman's slicing off his teeth yeah uh, or her teeth or her teeth um, it was very vaginal no but it was she it, shim was like 
like it was like crying it sounded like john carpenter's the thing <laughs> like it was like the that horrible like i don't know if you've had seen that it. come out before yeah it so was maybe like, somebody was like influenced by that the it thing does was sound 82. like that. it's like a monstrous scream like that guy who's like getting set on fire in the thing who like yeah. turns out to be a thing or whatever and he's like Wah! i can't yeah. do it i don't have multiple vocal cords multiple, Wait, like, I do. like throat singing yes oh yeah like, like those gregorian monks who can sing two notes at once. Yes, it's crazy. They gotta be aliens, right? I think so. I think those are the aliens. <laughs> Truth is out there. <laughs> X-Files is back. Fox miniseries. Oh, so that's your sponsor. That's my episode. plug. <laughs> yes. And there's luckily there's no X-Files podcast that does the same thing as this. That's true. <laughs> that came way before. <laughs> came way before you. <laughs> like Kumail's been doing forever. Um... Yeah, I, I, I love, I like the weird sound design for that monster. I kind of, that was the part of the episode I loved. It was like, great, now she's, you know, we got a plant monster. I am on board. Yeah. I wanted to see more cool, like, what she would have. I always think her weapon is so wussy, but it is very feminine. Oh, the little hand crossbow? The little, crossbow. like, stop it. Watch out. Here Shooting my, arrows? I'm going to angle my wrist. <laughs> a flick of the wrist. A flick of the wrist and you're not, oh, not dead. I have terrible aim. <laughs> like she just kept shooting all her own plants. Well, she's a botanist. She's... I know, but she built that or that's... somebody did. Who built that? That's yeah, a... that's a good question. Like, she had, There's the crossbow a expert. A miniature crossbow expert. Oh, finally. Oh. My first job. My, my first, my last job. I'll do it for a pretty lady. <laughs> I'm a pervert, by so the way. So he does it for free. <laughs> I like this pervert miniature crossbow expert. It's a it's a niche market. I wish there was an episode about that. I really like. I feel like that's what was missing from the animated series. Yes, just the backstory on the weird villain weapon makers. I remember when I was younger, I got this like book of Batman short fiction, like short stories, and I liked it because the cover had like cool villains on it. But then it was just like, who wrote it? I think it was a mixed authors. Oh, okay, okay. It was, I mean, essentially it's fan fiction. But like notable authors. Yeah, I don't even know if they were notable. Maybe I Pinchin. feel like... Pinchin. Pinchin. Oh, I thought you said Pinchin. I was like, sure. Pinchin. Thomas Pinchin. <laughs> Thomas Pinchin. Uh, Pinchin is picture fiction. That's yeah. what I thought. I was like, oh, cool. That's yeah, a cool word. That's a, a cool word. Thank you. It just isn't fun to read a novelization of a visual medium. True. I, I did not have fun, but I read, like, I got through a few of the stories, and there was one that was, like, the story of the man who repairs all the villain costumes. Oh, sick. And I was like, that's a fun idea. Why don't we see that as a character more? I would love to. I'm sure it's in the comics at some point. I'm sure it's somebody's sure. exploring uh, like Like uh, Edna in... Um, uh, the Incredibles? Yes, like, how fun Edna is that? Edna mode. Yeah, Edna. <laughs> Oh, the hobo suit. Which was it's Brad Bird, such, right? Yes. He it's does a, the voice of And Edna. it's based off of a famous costume designer from Universal who oh, was like yeah. this psycho, like crazy, whatever. She would like stab people in the back to get ahead, but she was amazing and everyone wanted to work with Edith her. It wasn't Edith Head, was it? I think it was Edith Head. Well, what do you think about Poison Ivy as like a villain? I feel like a lot of female villains are sexy. Like they're forced or pigeonholed into the sexy zone because that's the way women are portrayed. Yeah, there's not... Is is there any non-sexy villain? I feel like that's what was cool about Harley is that she at least had another shade to her, but she but still had the sexy AF. Yeah, like, whatever. She's totally a babe. Yeah, there's no, like, Blanche, the lunch lady, oh, <laughs> slowly <man>. poisoning everyone. <laughs> but that, that would be great to see. Yeah, there aren't any plus-size villains. <laughs> well... 
or villainesses, right? Like yeah. I can't. No. There is Mighty Mom, who was a Roseanne parody in an episode of the. And I don't know if you remember Make Him Laugh. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember, that but I have an encyclopedic great. knowledge apparently. Yes, I love it. It's an episode where the Joker. Uh, it's one of. It's one of the. I feel like it doesn't get a lot of love, but I. I really like it. Basically. A bunch of stupid villains start showing up and fighting Batman, the Condiment King. Yes. Uh, who's like fighting with ketchup and mustard guns and like Mighty Mom. And it basically, it's the Joker is, I think, using like Mad Hatter technology to control a bunch of, to get revenge on a bunch of judges who didn't oh, think he was funny in a, like a comedy competition. I remember this vaguely. And so yes. it's like a bunch of actors and stand ups who he's turning into shitty villains. Shitty, okay. And the Roseanne parody was Mighty Mom, and she, like, jumps on Robin. Like, he, she crushes What's her power? him. power? Just being She just has large. a big mop. Like, she's also, she's domestic. Um, yeah, I know. Like, oh, like, God, Okay, she's I'm not sexualized. She's domestic. She's making too many sandwiches for Robin. <laughs> I mean, if there were other examples of other characters, it'd be fine. Like, you know, if there were other non-domestic characters, it'd be fine. But that's definitely, like, well... That's pretty rough. <laughs> Uh, but it was... No, a lot of the... Yeah, I, I, as far as Ivy, like, she's incredibly sexualized. Um, I do appreciate that you see, you know, a softer, quote-unquote, side to her later mm -hmm. in, in, like, where she's at House and Garden and, and, like, if she is anything more than just sexual, it usually it's just that she's evil. It's just that she hates... Hates she humans. is more one note than she, other villains on the anime. Yeah, definitely series. Harley is a lot more like richer and 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 Catwoman as well. Has. Yeah, but I do. I had read. I read up a little bit about obviously, and then people did point out uh, she Ivy is the one who doesn't always have like a love interest. Right, and even in this, her love interest is is not real. Right, she's using revenge him so. as a way of getting yeah. Which what she wants done is interesting, and I don't know if you could read into that or not. It just—it's something to know. She is her own woman, and I think that's cool. Like, I think she's strong and like doesn't buckle to anything, uh, but she is still dressed in a skimpy Peter Pan yeah <laughs> outfit uh, and flicking her wrist. Yeah, she's like, watch it. Uh, plants, you take care of this. You take care of it. I'll be over here undressing and dressing again. Yeah, that, uh, I mean, luckily we do get house and garden down the line where she is, like, I think mostly, you know, clothed in, like, pants and a button-up shirt. Yeah. And a sun hat. <laughs> she, yeah, oh, yeah, she's totally domesticated there. Uh, which I guess... <laughs> is another... <laughs> womankind takes another flick of the wrist. <laughs> another small, small arrow to the heart. Uh, regardless of the way the character is written, I do legitimately love uh, Diane Pershing's performance. Yeah. She kills it. She's amazing. Um, which we will soon talk to her later in this episode. That's so exciting. She's awesome. Uh, and, and I feel like she's very natural with it. it. It doesn't feel too forced. Yeah, she's not definitely not putting on like a, oh, ba 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 It's not Marilyn Monroe or anything. No, it's not a parody. Like, she yeah. found the weird truth in it. Mm -hmm. And, like, anybody who can jump between, like, legit sexy to yeah. megalomaniacal... And keep it real. Is good. <laughs> no. No, she in should. In voiceover, too, yeah. in a way that's grounded and not like a cartoon. I, I I totally, wholly agree with you. I think she should definitely be lauded and applauded long for her performance and how like much she brings to a somewhat one-note character. Yeah. But because of her, it is, it's not, it's not, it's an endearing character in its own, its own way. 
Um, she, uh, what, what, your other favorite episode, the one that you wanted to talk about was the one that also features Alfred. Oh, yes. And his girlfriend, uh, who we only see once, his, you know, on again, off again, never seen again. Yeah, he's, he's a focused guy. He's focused on career. Um, it was the one where all of the socialites are being turned into trees. Yes. What, a, I love that. I mean, a lot of Ivy stuff is horror. It's yeah. straight horror. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's just torture and, and turning people into something that they're not. It's wonderful. They feel like Tales from the Crypt yeah. or X-Files-Z episodes. Yeah, yeah. They're Twilight supernatural Zone. in a way. Even though it's, whatever, explainable on a botanical level, but not really. Not know? really. It's no, like it's not real comic science. book explainable. Yeah. But I still think this is one of the more out there villains. Anytime she shows up for like... For the first like couple seasons of the show, like it didn't get this crazy. It was like Clayface and her. Even yeah. Mr. Freeze is a little more grounded in like pseudoscience. Yeah, 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 totally. Like making things cold and freezing things is something you can do. You can do. Uh, whereas like a living plant that attacks people is just beyond reason. Even <laughs> though they were like no vampires, but <laughs> giant Venus flytrap with teeth. That's okay. Great. No, she's awesome. It's it's. I feel like she doesn't get as much attention as Harley lately, which whatever is fine. Everyone has their moment of, of who they love and stuff. But she, she's always a great character. I think in part by the voice acting, I think in part by just like, she's fun and she brings a different, uh, like you're saying, she brings so much more to it. I don't know. I love her. I love her little outfits too. Yeah, I, all she she does have a lot of little outfits. She shows up. I remember in Almost Got Him, she has like a that like villain. They're all playing poker, and they all kind of tell their stories of how they almost got Batman. Yeah, and it's the closest thing you get to a Halloween episode mm-hmm. in Batman yeah, because yeah. hers is like in a pumpkin patch, <laughs> and she's like throwing pumpkin bombs like the Green Goblin, I think. Yeah. But she's like dressed in black. Like, I was like, oh, you just, so you got this custom made? Yeah, just for tonight. Just for tonight? She's like, she knows what she needs to do. It's Halloween. Yeah. I guess, yeah, she's, I mean, it she's probably... definitely not dating people. Yeah, uh, so she's, she's, she's got a lot of time on her hands. She's not taking, yeah, like, when you're not in a relationship, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Well, if you can make, like, a plant that can kill people, you can probably make, like, a pretty badass plant seamstress. And you have that pervert who does free favors yeah. for you. <laughs> he's like, it's Claudio again, what yeah. do you need? Oh. Claudio, I, I need a Halloween version of what of I usually what I wear. Usually wear. Oh, Claudio, oh. we'll smell it and then make it for <laughs> you. And then please wash it. Don't wash it, I'll smell it again. Claudio, you will not get it afterwards. <laughs> we talked about this. I, I will create a plant that will eat you or I will put you in a coma with a kiss. Yes, Miss Pamela. <laughs> Miss Pamela. <laughs> oh, Claudio, the Italian seamster. <laughs> the Italian seamster. He's Claudio, the Italian, Italian seamster. Beautiful <laughs> harmony oh, there. I think that worked out. <laughs> um, do you have any other thoughts on the episode or Ivy in general? Oh, we have to talk about that this has my perhaps favorite bit of background dialogue. Yes. Which is right when um, right when Harley's leaving and she's sashaying. Harley, oh, I'm sorry. God, idiot. Uh, right when... <laughs> right, idiot, idiot. Idiot, you fool. Um... Which is right when Ivy is leaving the restaurant, making her sachet out. You see these two guys, and it's like, well, I've been talking to my broker, and his recommendation was like, hmm. 
like he like sees yes. her walk by. And it's, it's the just... best loop like ADR <laughs> style such... dialogue that gets way more focused than it should. It's like way louder because you know they must have got it and thought it was so funny. And it's just like, oh, it's great. I just, it's such a good throw. And when do you hear somebody talking about a broker? Yeah. <laughs> well, my broker on was a just kid's telling cartoon. me. <laughs> yeah, I love I'm it. sure I was like, it went right over right. my head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as it should I, have. I didn't notice it until, yeah, until the rewatch. So that I was like, holy moly. Until like way later. Definitely didn't notice it as a kid. Um. Oh my god. Is there gosh. anything more you need to talk about? Nothing need I need to... to talk about. I'm trying to think. I mean, honestly, I just liked that this was Oh, Batman was pretty he was a good detective. He was stealing stuff from the hospital. Oh, that is kind of wild though. Uh, lifting a blood lifting sample. Lifting a blood sample. <laughs> I mean, but that's kind of the Batman I want him to be is like, yeah, I just I like break I do what I want. the rules in a kind of a shitty way sometimes. Well, he's, it's just clearly is like you guys are idiots. I know I'm better. Me yeah. and Alfred are going to go cave it up, fix this real fast. We're going to cave it We're up. We're going to cave it up. Alfred is it cool if I call it caving it up? <laughs> I guess Master Bruce. What do you mean you guess? <laughs> I don't know. It's very embarrassing. Well, I made a banner that says caving it up, so... <laughs> As you wish, Master Bruce. All right, I'm Alfred, glad. Alfred, actually, I made the banner, Master Bruce. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I told you I to told make you. the banner, because that pervert guy, Claudio... Claudio was busy. He was busy making... I don't know what he was doing. Some <laughs> Halloween costume. Claudio swings both ways, just only for <laughs> superheroes and villains. Yeah, Cla- oh, Mr. Batman. <laughs> yeah, Claudio's uh, an all-around... He's, he's a... All around perv. He's he's just a sensationalist. He just loves anything. Uh, Big into velvet, Claudio. Oh, yeah. Whew. He really tried to convince both of them to wear velvet. To wear velvet, yes. They did not do it. <laughs> uh, here's a fun piece of trivia that I found out. So you know the rose? that, that There's like a fake rose that's super rare and poisonous. Yes. Uh, Rosace vularis. Vularis. Uh, it's supposed to translate to wild thorny rose. Yes. But the joke is it translates to normal rose. <laughs> which is funny. Ew, a little Latin humor for you guys. Uh, Nightshade, her cosmetics line, obviously. Nightshade is deadly. Yes. As Nightmare Before Christmas taught me. Oh, ho, ho, ho. A little bit of deadly nightshade. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just overreacting here. I know, I'm going to keep overreacting. You just Santa'd a little bit. Ho, <laughs> ho, 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 Justin. How old do you think Poison Ivy is supposed to be? Uh, I don't know. Like like a cute, tw- like, like a cute 32, 27, somewhere in there. You are in the right zone. 28. Oh, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Mary Ivy. Uh, yeah, she's supposed to be 28, 5'2", and 105 pounds. Good Lord. <laughs> Uh, she's definitely got an eating disorder. Definitely got a sexy, sexy eating disorder. <laughs> uh, it's funny to me that she's 28, which would have sounded old when I was a kid and now sounds young. No, yeah, I know. Like, what an old lady. Oh, what a beautiful young thing. <laughs> young oh. thing. <laughs> you're a lady, you're a thing. She's I'll not, tell you that she's much. She's not even human anymore. She's so fucking young. <laughs> uh, we, I think she got put in Stonegate Penitentiary, but then moved to Arkham after that. Yes. And this was the first uh, appearance of Renee Montoya, female cop the, extraordinaire. The lady young cop. I thought this was a cool thing, that there is a, they went out of their way to have a strong, like, this balances out Ivy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Strong woman. Strong woman, who's yes. Who's not white. Yes. That's great. And she was like, had a little sassy line, too. Yeah. I liked it. So this was her Wasn't just cramming her face with donuts. 
uh, classic uh, bullet. You know who we're talking about, Harvey. <laughs> that and uh, Commissioner Gordy's beautiful uh, cream whip hair. Oh, oh, I love his little. He looks like he's made of Cool Whip. He's a little Cool Whip hat. Oh yeah, was this was the episode? It's been. A, I watched the episode a little while ago. This was the the runner of Harvey always grabbing donuts before he runs out yeah, of the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a funny. That was a funny beat. To it hit. was. It was. It was definitely a little stuff in his mouth, and then. Gordy's like trying to get the hell out of there and he's just like oh yeah <laughs> I appreciate that about this show they always were funny and it wasn't just dark it wasn't just whatever serious. yeah they definitely cleanse the palate with like <laughs> with a donuts. few with donuts with donuts moments so what did you put in this mousse chocolate sugar eggs cream strychnine no 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 strychnine but I added just a pinch Vanilla. I think this one was a story by Dini and uh, somebody else. Somebody else. I saw that. And then it, the teleplay was by Tom Ruger, oh. uh, who is a hu- huge in like a the Ruger Ruger the '90s cartoon world as well as now. But like he was, you know, co-creator of Freakazoid. He did Tiny Toons stuff. He yeah. worked on this a lot. Uh, Paul Dini and Michael Reeves did the story, and then uh, directed by Boyd Kirkland. I talk about this in the intro. I think it's great. Um, but Tom doing a good is job. great. Uh, I love his stuff. I think he now works on a Disney cartoon, the Seven D. It's like a Seven Dwarfs cartoon. Oh, cool. Yeah. Anyway, glad that they're all gainfully employed still. Few. Few. Am I right? Uh, I think they're all doing pretty well. <laughs> I think they're doing just so. Watch right. Disney's The Seven D and yeah. The X Files. <laughs> House of the X Files. We really need to plug the X Files. Yeah, I don't have any sponsors except for the ones that I wasn't <laughs> well, also asked they're, to promote. Just so they have viewership. Yeah, nobody's watching either nobody's of those networks. Nobody's watching either of those networks. They're uh, ugly. Well, any more Ivy talk? Any more Batman talk? Any closing thoughts? Um. I don't know. I just what what would be like give me like a like an idea of a closing thought. Okay. That's so selfish. Why I don't know how to think for myself. Classic Batman villain. Uh give me what would Alfred's snarky line be to close out this show? <laughs> oh Master Bruce, why is he Australian? <laughs> I say run with Good it. Good eye. Oh, God. That's really what it is. It's just a Monty Python sketch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, basically that. Oh, Master Bruce. Oh, Master Bruce. And one last one last thought about Claudio. Uh, my pants are too tight. I got a huge erection. And on that, and on that I got a huge erection. Note. We'll close out this interview about oh, a Batman God. cartoon. Uh, bon appetit, listeners. Bon, bon appetit. appetit. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Alana. <laughs> Thank you. And now a word from our sponsor. Are you tired of regular boring kisses? Do you wish you could hypnotize and or poison someone while making out? Have you already said yes to both questions, thereby negating a reason for me to even ask you a third? Great, because I've got just the product for you. Introducing Poison Ivy's Hypno Lipstick. Spice up your love life with a potential loss of life, because nothing's kinkier than a near-death experience caused by a smooch. 
Now I know what you're thinking. Ivy, isn't this damaging for my relationships? Of course it is, you stupid foolish mammal. Plants don't need relationships. All they need is sun and water and dirt. Dirt! Dirt! <clears throat> Did I mention we've got three distinct varieties? We do. There's poison, hypnosis, and hypnopoison. So take it from me, a grown woman with a cloned family made of plants who turns rich people into petrified trees in my spare time. You should buy this product. Poison Ivy's Hypno Lipstick. If it doesn't severely alter the body chemistry of whoever you kiss, I'll send your money back. I don't just guarantee it. I guarantee it. Today's guest, Diane Pershing. Diane has played Poison Ivy across the entire DC animated universe, from Batman the Animated Series to the new Batman Adventures to Justice League. In addition to being a voiceover artist, I found out she was a TV writer, successful romance novelist, singer, and film critic to boot. She was incredibly nice to sit down with and has a ton of fun Batman stories as well as even crazier non-Batman stories. So let's dig on in. This is us now talking? This is us now talking. Okay, cool. Me and you. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much for asking me to do this. This is going to be fun. Yeah. I yeah. Actually, it's kind of a funny story. We were just talking about it, but uh, we got in touch because of a fan of this podcast put us in contact, and we don't know what happened in between. <laughs> right. I got an email from my darling daughter-in-law, who is works for a political newspaper in Washington, D.C., and she said something about a client of mine. That could be it. Maybe one of her clients is a fan of the thing. Oh, interesting. I will find out more. And I thought Beth knew this guy, the person, you. I right, thought that Beth I knew was this you. person. I was a D.C. person just right. visiting. <laughs> right, right. Isn't that fun? And then so you walk in, I said, hi, I'm Beth's uh, mother-in-law, and you went, who? <laughs> right. So that was that. Okay. So we're unraveling a mystery by yes, the end we of this are. episode. This Everybody follow along. That's right, if you can. Uh, so I'm so excited <clears throat> to be sitting down with you. Obviously, we'd like to talk to you about your voice work yeah, uh, as Poison sure. Ivy. Sure. But I also am so fascinated by the fact that you've done so many other things as well. Yeah. I've, had a, I've been a professional singer, uh, writer, actor on, not on camera, but on stage and voiceover. Uh, I've been a disc jockey and I've been a film critic. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, I actually earned money at all of these things and supported my children. You Do know? you have a favorite occupation or did you like hopping from thing to thing? They're all me. You know how you get when you, they're all me. Yeah. Music and words and acting are all who I am. Well, what, where did you begin? A little girl looking in the mirror when she was four years old. <laughs> I'm going to grow up and be a star. So it started with, like, the want-to-be-actor, singer. Oh, yeah, absolutely, definitely. But my first professional job, which was interesting, <clears throat> right after college, uh, was I was on I was on the road for a year with Johnny Mathis as a backup singer. Oh, man. Yeah. 
Isn't that cool? Yeah, where'd you travel? Oh, all over the country and one night stands, you know, bus and truck tours, that kind of the old classic yeah. mu- drunk musicians on the bus stuff, you know. <laughs> uh, and then overseas, we went to Japan. Uh, we entertained the troops, the USO troops. What a overseas. cool thing. Yeah, it was great. I was very young. It was great. Man, so where did, from there, so you started on the road. Yeah, and then I and then I got a lot of work singing and doing a little theater stuff. And then I was on camera doing commercials, and somebody heard me talking to one of my agents and said, have you ever thought of doing voiceovers? And I said, what's that? And they said, listen to the radio, come back and tell me. I said, oh, yeah, I can do that. Oh, that's great. You know, that one of those kind of serendipitous things where... You know, I also did some puppet voices for a little children's television show called Dusty's Treehouse. So I, and I'd always listened to voice. I've always loved the voice, and I'm a singer. You know, so I've always loved what the voice can do. So yeah, it it's was a kind of a natural extension. fit. Really, it was. Yeah, yeah. So, do you remember your first gig? Like, what the first voiceover job? This was? is a funny story. Okay, I'm sitting in the office of my then voiceover agent, Bob Lloyd, who is to the older generation a god anyway he gets a phone call and it's the people from jc penny who need a voice live voice at the lakers game that afternoon and they decided to go with a woman because that would you know that would be a little different with all the male voices around a woman and he said she's sitting right here and i went okay and i went down to the then forum which is where they were at, and I did a live J.C. Penny commercial, and I had to bring it in at 60 seconds, and I brought it in at 59 seconds because I have a clock in my head, I guess. I didn't know that at the time. Yeah, having to do that live seems you pretty know, yeah, yeah, stressful. Pretty, yeah, and I imagine I was quite stressed, but I don't remember that part. I just remember doing it. And you then, remember nailing it. <laughs> you know, and then I was the voice of J.C. Penny for Southern California for seven years. That's great. And that's how I started. One of those... You know, marvelous things that happen in an actor's life. You turn a corner and say hi to someone, and they take you to a whole new world. And I love that about this kind of career. Yeah, so when did you get started in animation? Pretty soon. I've been doing voice work for over 40 years, and um, I would say I've been doing animation. Well, my first filmation thing was in the 70s. Yeah. And you, yeah. I mean, you've done everything from like what She-Ra and yeah, and, uh, yeah. Well, we did, we did a wonderful sixty-five episode thing, which was amazing. Uh, two of them over at I think it was Marvel, uh, Centurion, new, the new Centurions yes. and Defenders of the Earth. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and I, uh, and those are the best sessions. Oh, they were so everybody in a room at one time, which is very rare now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. And when we did the Batman stuff, it was everybody in a room, unless somebody couldn't be there that day. But, oh, it was so much fun. I mean, it feels obvious why that's better, but what did you feel like uh, benefited you as an actor? Well, you could react as an actor in the moment. You could make eye contact. You could have a... Um, something that just came up out of you that wasn't in the script, but just was the right thing to do at the time, you know. Even a better way to say a, you know, a line, if possible, you mm. know. And 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 a feel that community feeling when you're all sitting around trying to make something together, which I think is crucial to all of us. Yeah. You know, 
So well, yeah, good art comes out of collaboration. It does. It really does. Not that there's anything wrong, by the way, with going in and just doing your lines live. You, you'll probably get a decent performance. Yeah, it's a different kind of collaboration. It's but just it more is. Yeah, it's just segmented. I think the group thing is fabulous. So, And I miss it because it's hard to get everybody's schedule together. I, I understand why now. Yeah, yeah, once everybody's busy doing other things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's it. Yeah. Do you remember auditioning for the role of Poison Ivy? Oh, it, that's another. Okay, you want serendipity? I had been booked for a guest spot on the show. Mm-hmm. And I think I had one line or two lines. And Andrea said to me, the actress that's supposed to do Poison Ivy, and I don't know who it was, but I think it was somebody fairly heavyweight, you know, can't do it. Show me your Poison Ivy voice. I did what I thought she meant and wanted, and she said, that's it. Hmm. And that's how I got the role. So you knocked it out immediately? Like Well, the voice I, that you... she told me what she, what they wanted. She was sexy but malevolent. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, you, you know. nailed that. <laughs> well, yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not fearful at auditions and scared sometimes, but the bottom line is I I know, I know in my heart that I can do this. And do you feel like there are certain roles where that's easier to gravitate toward? Oh, of course. And that was one where you were like, oh, I got this. Oh, please. I'd been doing, you know, I've been doing sexy stuff. I'd been doing perfume commercials for a while. Oh, so you were practicing. Yeah, yeah. I even, you never, well, I looped some porn films for a really? while. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. was that like? Oh, well, funny. Yeah, like what, like it's just like people, you know, noise, like sex yeah, noises? Yeah, noise, sex noises, you know. I didn't and know they, that they looped them. You know, them. can we have, oh yeah, yeah. Well, because a lot of the actors doing it don't, can't really speak in an upright <laughs> right. position, you know, bless their hearts. So, yeah. So, Got to yeah. fill it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and they just, you know, give me four groans, you know, four orgasms. I'm sorry, that's silly stuff, but it's true. Oh, no, we can talk about yeah, anything Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I've loved the work I've done. It's just been... It's just been great. Yeah, it feels like, I mean, what's fascinating to me is that also all the work you've done, not all of it, but at least some of it, has revolved around romance. Oh, that's funny, because, you know, I'm one of the least romantic people I know, (laughs) which is, I mean, I'm just not heavily into romance. I'm kind of pragmatic and down to earth and... Um, but the imagination is a fine thing, is it not? Yeah, and you're also a writer yeah. of yeah, romance I wrote, novels. Yeah, you know, I was doing voiceover work and loving it, but as we know, it doesn't take all day. Mm-mm. You don't have a nine-to-five job. You go on auditions and you have jobs. Your jobs last 10 minutes to an hour, usually. So I had all this time in between, and I had this brain that needed work out. It needed to be worked out. And, um, oh, I had just broken up with... The man I thought that I would marry for th- and be with the rest of my life, and I was tragically heartbroken. And a friend gave me a romance novel and said, "Here, read this. It'll make you feel better." And I was—I <laughs> went, "Excuse me. I mean, pardon me," but I read it, and it was terrific. And then I read three hundred of them in a year. What? Yeah, three hundred. And rom- you did other things. You got out. I of was your doing room. my life. <laughs> yeah. And at the end of the year, I said, "I can write one of these." And I did, and I sold it. Yeah, you put in the hours. I did. I did. That's amazing. What was the first one called, and what was it about? It was about a voiceover actress who had just broken up with someone who she thought she would spend her life with. Right, what you know. You know, as it were, yeah. Yeah, what was that called? Shattered Voices. Do you have a copy of of all of your books? Oh, God, yes. I have five copies of all of my (laughs) books in in an airtight container. (laughs) I'm very proud of them. Yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know... I don't know if there's anything that 
I don't know if there's any particular reason, but it is interesting to me that, like, you were writing about romance, you were able to nail this, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, like, sexy character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you wrote for a show called mm-hmm. The Love Boat. Oh, that's true. You know, just... You know, you're making a connection I never have. I it's... seem to be destined to write about or act about love. Yeah. How fascinating. Which is a pretty good thing to write about, I Perfectly would say. Perfectly. <laughs> a lot better than a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, better oh, than yeah. The Hate Boat, I'll tell oh, you that much. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. That one yeah. didn't last. Yeah. Or exist. <laughs> Uh, so, well, let's let's go back to Batman for yeah. a sec. Um, so what was your experience recording the first episode? You were in one called Pretty Poison. Right. That was my first, um, that was the first episode, Pretty Poison, where they introduced the character. Uh-huh. She oh, poisons lovely. Harvey Dent. <laughs> yes, she does. She kisses him and puts poison in his mouth. And then later on, she tries to get Batman to kiss her but he he makes her he kisses her on the cheek or he diverts it because yeah. he gets it yeah yeah she well she's i like her because even though she goes to way too great a length to prove her point she's trying to save the plant life of the planet mm-hmm. which is a, like a lot of people in the world today they have a point but then they go too far yeah. you know uh and um and so she really fully but she's not just evil for evil's sake, she's trying to save the planet. And she feels very justified by, well, killing people if that's what it takes. So you tapped into that philosophy. Oh, yeah. Every villain believes that they're doing the right thing. Oh, you must. You must not judge your villains. Really, that just doesn't work. You have to get into a headspace where you can completely understand how they're thinking. Yeah, that's acting. How did you approach... uh, the character in that first episode? Well, I approached her pretty vocally because I realized that that's what she wanted. But as, I mean, you just given the script in the moment. You didn't even get a chance to read it. And, oh, wow. Well, that's what, that's how it works, and it's fine. I mean, you may you may get it 10 minutes to look it over. You just go, yeah, yeah, my line, my line, you know. And then as it's going on, if they don't like the take, they'll have you do it again. They'll have it do three different ways, that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it isn't like... You're just recorded and that's it and that's it for posterity. You know, there's editing and all that stuff, so you don't worry too much about that. Um, But I remember during that first script I felt joy because it was such a fun character. She's very, I mean, she's seductive and she's angry and she's scheming and she's she's all these wonderful colors. So, you know... Well, you got to run the gamut in that episode. Most yeah. of the villains are, you know, maybe have a couple shades, but I yeah. feel like she was, you know, pretending, <laughs> you know, like trying to deceive Harvey Dent. Right. So you're putting, a, you know, on right. air, but seeming like a kind human. Absolutely. You got to play full villain. <laughs> exactly. Full villain, woman in love. Yeah. You know, Pamela, Dr. Pamela Isley. She has her whole, you know, kind of, coll- uh, you know, our, what is the word I'm looking for? What is, academic. She has this whole academic part of her. Yes. She's, she has glasses and her red hair is pulled back. And one of the cool things is, as a character over the series, you got to kind of play different shades yes. with different characters. Like, they paired you up with Arlene Sorkin as I Harley know. Quinn. I know. Which is like a fun, fun. dynamic. And then later, dynamic. you know, we did that internet thing, Harley and Ivy. Yeah. That it's was like Gotham so Girls Gotham, stuff Gotham Girls, yeah. right. We had so much fun doing that, Arlene and I. We really did. By the way, she's another brilliant writer. Really? I didn't she's know that a she was a writer, writer as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. So what was it like the first time you guys worked together? It felt like such a natural dynamic watching the cartoon that it was like, oh, they're great. Yeah. 
You mean when you say you guys, the whole cast? Or, or I guess or you and Arlene, but also you oh, and the yeah. cast. Oh, yeah. Well, she's the one because later on, the Gotham girls, I, I had a little more. Uh, she she and I weren't on mostly together. You know, what they did, they had a series of, what, eight to ten villains? Mm-hmm. And each one would be, each one or two maybe would be featured each time. So I didn't do, obviously didn't do all the shows. I did, right. what, eight or ten maybe, you know. Um, so... Um, so I don't. I think Harley and Poison Ivy maybe did one or two shows together where they were both on together. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's so one I of didn't those even meet like... Arlene until then. You know. Yeah. And what yeah. was it like working with the rest of the cast? Do you have any? Oh, I have lovely memories. What are any any particular memories that Mark pop out? Mark Hamill to my right. <laughs> he was always on my right. His microphone was on my right. I was right here. And he is the most genuine, lovely human being, and incredibly gifted improvisational actor vocally all just you see how he plays joker i mean he's just all over the place with the high giggles and the yeah. growls and the you know and a, just a genuinely nice human being you know all of the cast they were they were so so pleasant to be with Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. When I was a kid, he was a major star. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm next to Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. You know, he's doing his Alfred, his English accent. And, you know, uh, just, oh, and Bob Costanzo, Robert Costanzo, hysterically funny. He's dude. fantastic. Yeah. He was he's Harvey Bullock, Harvey, right? Yeah, he was. He was, he was. he was great. He was great. They were all, and Lauren, Lauren Lester, I had done, um, which one was, one of the Marvel shows with him. I think um, so. It was so good. He was he was you know Robin, Robin and Nightwing. Yeah, later. yeah. And it was and Kevin. I didn't know Kevin that well, you know. But he was right there with that voice and the, you know, far corner. He was yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was all good, you know. Do you was it open to improvisation ever, or did you feel like it was pretty locked into the script? From my memory on this particular show, we were pretty locked into the script. Um, and they were such good scripts, we didn't have to improve them sure. with quotes. Yeah. No. Uh, I remember Paul Dini was so, uh, and the and the other writers, they were so, so good. Yeah. It was a very cleverly written show. Well, it's cool that you also got to interact with the writers. Yes. That's not always something that happens. No, that's true. They were in the in the booth, you know, and they would like go, yeah, and they would, you know, you could see their faces and hmm. stuff, and after they'd mingle with you and tell you how much they liked it or whatever, so you always felt supported. Yeah, you just want to also make them happy about bringing their work to life in a new way. Always. Always. That's our job. Writers, well, of course, because I'm both, I have an appreciation for both, but writers give us the words to say. We bring them to life, but we're honoring them by bringing their stuff to life. Mm -hmm. That's, That's our job, you know? Yeah, and Deanie, I believe, wrote most of your episodes. Yeah. Uh, he had a knack for it. He did. For Poison Ivy in particular. And, he's, and he, I think it was him and I think one other guy, and please forgive me if you're listening to this that I can't remember your name, who put together Gotham Girls. One of my favorite Poison Ivy episodes, and I know that it's been a while, but uh, there was one called House and Garden uh, where she became, she had a family for the first time. Uh, oh, wow. You know, I haven't thought about that one for a long time. It's a great one. I think it might be my favorite Uh and you do such a good job because she's reformed and oh. has a family, and they turn out to be plant clones <laughs> by oh, the end yes, of it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. You know what? I 
I hadn't seen them in a while, so in a long time. So when you called to ask me to do this, I thought, I better look at some of these again. And I didn't see House and Garden. Uh, I have the first season, or or I think it's highlights. I don't think I got all of the episodes. So House and Garden, I haven't seen that in a long time. It's a later one. It's a later one, yeah. But okay. uh, it's it's really great because it's you know you you kind of have you bring some pathos to it, but then also the the mother that she didn't get to be, yeah, and, and yeah, yes. It's mostly that. It's really not as much you know super villainy, right? Except for maybe the climax of right, it. It's really... Right, right, right. Yes, yeah, so she goes nuts, I think, at the end or yeah. something. Yeah, and oh, you get yes. to play a clone who like melts, and you're a monster too. Yes, like, it's, yes, yes, what's yes. Fun? Oh, gosh, I must have had a wonderful time doing that one. <laughs> yeah, check it out. <laughs> you were oh, I'm going it. to. Yeah, it was great. Oh, I will. Absolutely. Great. Thank you for reminding me of that one. Yeah, of course. Yeah, cool. What was the process uh, from, I guess, like, let, maybe walk me through an episode when you, uh, you know, from getting the script to whenever you were done with it to maybe when you saw it for the first time? Well, if I remember correctly, and some of the series I've done, they were all done a little differently. So some of them I'm probably confusing because, as you know, it's been 23 years sure. since we recorded Batman. But um, we would—I don't think we got the scripts in advance. Although, if I'm wrong, my apologies to anyone who knows better than me. But we did walk in usually a half hour early, say, and mm-hmm. we'd look at our scripts, and you know, we'd yellow them, we'd we'd mark them, and. Um, We'd kid around, we'd laugh, we'd go into the studio, get our positions, our our little, you know, music stands and our mm-hmm. microphones and exactly where we're going to be. And Would you sit or stand? I, I believe know some people are... I almost always like to stand. Yeah. I have better breath support when I stand. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, but when I do a long narration and I've done some long medical narrations and stuff like that, I sit. And I can work it out. I'm good. You know what I'm, I happen to have a gift for, which I don't think I did anything to get this gift. It's just there, is I don't make breathing noises when I'm on camera. I seem to be okay. So if I needed a bigger breath, I would go. I heard absolutely nothing, right, by the way. <laughs> right. And I just took an entire breath. So wow. I could sit and have a little less support and be okay. But I feel I act with my whole body. So I always, always wanted to stand. I'm because your whole body is involved in acting. Yeah, you know, it's not just your voice. You well, know? I feel like, and so, that's what a lot of people who don't really know how voice acting work right works. Uh, you know, they think you're just sitting there, and I mean, maybe they think you do it uh, after the cartoon's been animated. <laughs> well, that's a misapprehension. Obviously, I mean, not a misapprehension. That's a misapprehension is, it? is yeah yeah they say you know yeah you go in and loop it at looping they're very proud they know the word looping and i say no the only thing you go in for looping is something that didn't work you know when you were doing it and you have to do it and no of course we record the track first my god yeah can you imagine just trying to match the the lips it'd be the lakers spot all over again <laughs> <laughs> yeah no really it was yeah no no we we do the track first and they animate to us well, and I then, derailed yeah. you. Uh, you got you get the script. Yeah, you, you get the script, right? You highlight it, and then you're placed at the proper mic thing. They do mic checks. Yeah, uh, people kibitz a lot and kid around. And Were there any some... memorable bits or or jokes that you guys would come oh, back to? Or gosh, I don't think on this one we had on one of my other series. Um, Bob Ridgely was on it. Um, I don't know if you know who he was. He's gone a while. 
He and Pat Fraley, you probably know Pat. I do. The two of them were the funniest damn people I have ever been in a room with. And what would happen is they would just break us up constantly during the session. And it would be a, a you know, a real challenge to try to not laugh um, when you're doing your lines, really. And it was terrible of them, but so funny. I, we didn't have any of those kind of people. On it was Batman a more dour, thing. serious show. Oh, it's a much, it's a darker show. Yeah. Much, by the way, do you watch Gotham? Uh, you know, I haven't caught oh, Gotham it's yet. so good. Really? Oh, yes, it's wonderful. It's very dark. Very are you, dark. So are you, a, do you like Batman outside of this? You know, I am an aging woman and I have a 15-year-old boy somewhere inside me because I love this stuff. Yeah. I watch, you know, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., whatever it's called. I watch Gotham. I watch um, The Flash. I I like that stuff. That's awesome. I think it's great. Did you always like it or do you think it— No. I like it uh, since I started doing cartoons. That's I so like it better. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, I mean, I feel like it probably it forced you to like research it and like at least get involved with it and appreciate then like appreciate it. it. Yeah. yeah, very much so. That's very cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And oh. then when I would do, you know, I've done a couple of, you know, the games, the whatchamacallit. Oh, yeah, like video games yeah, yeah, or yeah. you did I've done like a, Baldur's Gate. Yeah, but that's one. And I've also done, I, I can't remember the name of it. I did, a, it was a Japanese game and I had to be a dragon. And she was a maternal dragon, but she, oh, rah, that kind of thing. Yeah. And she also um, had to cry and shriek for her babies and stuff like that. And I remember thinking, God damn, am I lucky to have this job. You know? Yeah. Just, I mean, how to play and have fun and be a kid again in some ways, you know? Well, when you were talking about, you know, like having to laugh through or laughing through takes and that yeah. being a problem, yeah. it's a good problem to have. It's absolutely a quality problem. Right? That's what we call it. Yeah. That's what you want to do is just That's have right. fun. Yeah. Yeah. It is fun. I love my work. I love it. That's you know, so awesome. Very so happy. Yeah. You would step into the booth. You, yeah. You know, you step kinda... in the booth. And then we would start. That's all. We'd get a mic test for everybody to make sure the levels were right. And then we would start recording. What was Andrea like as a director? Fabulous. Fabulous. Did you know her before the show? I think I'm trying to remember if I had worked with her before. Somehow I don't think I had, but we knew of each other. Mm-hmm. It was one of those things. It was pretty, you know, it was a smaller community then. Um, I'm not doing the old fart conversation about the old days. That's that's silly. But the bottom line is it was the voiceover community what, in L.A. Mm-hmm. was smaller. We didn't do all of this, um, you know, recording at home, MB3, all that stuff. We didn't do that. Yeah. So y- you knew each other. You'd heard of each other's work. I like that you knew so who much the more. Good, well, sure. You knew <laughs> Getting who to go good, in all the time. The good voice. Jenny McSwain was a wonderful voice director. Stu, Stu Rosen, and he did those two for me. Um um, they were wonderful voice directors, and you knew who they were. Yeah. So it was, you know, a smaller community. It was before a lot of big stars got into it and all that stuff, you know. So oh. it was just a different world. So, yeah. Well, yeah. from there, uh, yeah. how long would it be until you saw the episode? Did you ever watch the episodes after the fact? I think I... Well, we didn't know when they were going to be on, right. first of all. And who that, knows how long it would take. Yeah, I think we recorded all of them in the first two years, okay. and then that was it. And then it was whatever, four or five years it was playing or something. I don't know, something like that. When did you catch wind that it was really popular? This would drop. So I'm not 
I'm not good at one. Not one of those actors that walks in and says, "Hi, Poison Ivy from Batman." Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm very bad at that. In fact, I, my self promoting is terrible. But somebody would mention it to someone, and there would be this jaw dropping look of awe, and I thought, "Oh, I guess that's important, huh?" Yeah. You know. So when did I get that? Really, it's the re- last 15 years or so mm-hmm. that I'm aware of it. I mean, I think it's come. It was fine. It was appreciated in its time, but I don't think it was this big deal like it is now. I don't think so. Am I wrong? I th- it was popular, but I wonder if there there probably just wasn't an outlet for you to know that. That's true. You That's know, because true. it was there wasn't so much internet fandom. So much internet, and fandom, you know, yeah. unless you went to a comic con, right? You know, like. Right, which, by the way, I've not done, and one of these days I need to do. We were just talking yeah, about it. you got to we do it. People I know. would be real excited. I, re- I have a wonderful story about that. My daughter, when she was in her early 20s, got poison ivy tattooed on the side of her leg from really? the ankle to the knee, and across the chest she has mom. And she came and she showed it to me, and she said, it's my homage to you, Mom. (laughs) And I, of course, went, oh, (laughs) okay, because I didn't quite know how to take a full leg tattoo. I was not quite, now it's fine. I'm going to get a tattoo myself. But then it was, so I'm in a toy store with my daughter and two grandchildren from the other, from the son, and and this guy notices my daughter's tattoo, and he says, is that Poison Ivy? And she said, yeah, it's my mom. And she points to me. And his face is like, oh, my God. Are you really? Oh, my God. And he's like, he's having an attack. And can I have an autograph? Can I sign your thing? Oh, my God. And can I take a picture? And I'm thinking. And I went, wow, this is really a big deal. You know? Yeah, I for mean, somebody, a stranger. <laughs> a stranger to make a... And, I, you know, you don't take credit. You don't think, that's who I am, I'm... No, you read someone's words into a microphone. There was a job. Mm-hmm. I'm pleased that people like it, but it isn't like... It isn't like my, my books. I wrote my books. You know what I mean? Yes, There's absolutely. a different sense of ownership. You'd be it's, like, well, yeah, I mean, like, it's easy to do when it's so well-written. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah, yeah. Is usually the, my go-to response. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's words, words. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, you did do a great job. Oh, uh, thank you. There, there is bad voice acting out there. <laughs> no, I know, I'm considered, I looked at a website, I'm considered the best of all the vocal poison ivies. They all think I did the best. Oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. Well, thank you. By and large. <laughs> it really pleases me. Yeah. That's, it's fantastic. It'll probably be on that on my gravestone, you know. Best of the poison yes. ivies. No name. Uh, no name. Right, exactly. <laughs> Let's back up. Okay. What are you getting a tattoo of? Do you know? Yes, I do. I'm going to get a tattoo that says it's in Chinese. It's Chinese thing. Actually, I'm waiting to go up to San Jose, which is where my daughter lives, and where the tattoo guy that did her leg is going to be available. We've had trouble connecting. Yeah. I want him to do it because he was clean and very good. It's a Chinese um, symbol for acceptance hmm. because that's, for me, the key to me waking up most mornings feeling pretty good about being alive, accepting that a lot of the world sucks and a lot of it is fine, and I just have to take care of myself and my family and my friends, and I'm okay. 
That's great. You know, it's just kind of a almost a little Zen thing. Yeah. You know? Is this your first tattoo? It will be my my first tattoo. I will have it on my right inner wrist, right above the vein line. I feel like that's a good spot. So I can look at See it. See it all the time. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. I think it's nice. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And yeah. the fact that you're getting it from the same person who did your daughter's. Is, yes. There's something very yes. cool yes, about yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. That is. That's exactly it. Oh, man. Yeah. Heritage. Well, you got to go to a Comic-Con. That's I. I guess I do. Huh? I'm gonna nudge you <laughs> to do okay, it. Okay, do yeah. No, I have a friend. Um, David Gerald is a friend of mine. He wrote the Triffles thing on Star Star Trek. Oh, remember Tribbles? the uh, Tribbles thing? Yeah. And he goes to the other con. What's the one with the sci-fi guys and everything? Uh, it might be a Star Trek convention. I don't know. Yeah, he goes to these conventions and he has the best time. And he says, you really should go to Comic-Con. So I think, okay. So now several people have been saying that to me. And really, several people have said it to me in the last month. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking the stars are aligning Yeah. so that I have to do this. Okay. Do it. It's overwhelming okay. and sweaty a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> but okay. I don't know. You're That's from okay. New York, right? I am originally from New York. So yeah. you know, you I know, can work lots of people oh, in one yeah. place. Oh yeah, no, when no, did you that move is out here. When I was a teenager, okay. I moved out here, and then, but then I was back in New York for a while doing some theater, and then nothing major, just off, 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 all that stuff. But uh, then I moved back again for good um, when I started having children. Yeah, I wanted to settle into a place. That, you yeah. wanted that good weather in that house? <laughs> yeah, the house, the good weather. My husband at the time, he's gone now, uh, was um, a musician and he was uh, doing a lot of studio work. And so it was just a good place for us to be, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I feel yeah. like to have a partner who's in another artistic field is yeah. very Yeah, well, that's gratifying. where we met. He was Johnny Mathis's conductor. Oh, cool. And so you met on met, the road? We met on the road, absolutely. Oh, man. Come on. That's awesome. I was the soprano, and he wrote me obligados for Johnny. <laughs> it was fun. What a sentence. <laughs> it was nice, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about your writing career. Oh, okay. I mean, if you're if you're down. Sure. No, I'm fine. I have always written. Even as a child, I wrote poetry. Yeah. And I was uh, I could bullshit my way through most of my college essays, so that got me good marks. Um, and then I think my first writing um, that I did seriously was of uh, the Malibu Times is a small but good, very good little newspaper, and I was their film critic for five years, which I had always wanted to do because I'm a film buff. And I wanted to be a film critic so I could get into all the screenings, you know, and then I would write my, my little essay about the film. And, yeah. And, um, and so I did that for five years. So then, then I was a writer who had a deadline every week. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that was good. Um, and, and then I, I guess I started writing the, the novels. I also do on... On the side now, I edit a little bit for people. You oh, know, cool. Because I have time, and I'm a good editor. Uh, and I write, wrote my novels. I wrote, a, I wrote different columns. I never did get a blog, but I would sort of write shit, you know. And Is it right to say Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. I would write stuff um, and, uh, and, and kind of put it on Facebook or, or something. La that's later on. But, yeah. Yeah, and then lately, what I, I'm not writing romances anymore. I seem to have lost the interest in doing that. I still read them. Sure. I'm a big fan. Uh, but I'm writing my memoirs now, little stories about my life, people I've met, things I've been through. And um, I've actually read some of this stuff out loud at a couple of the venues. You oh, know, that's that cool. Are nice. So, 
So that's been nice. I think that'll be my writing probably from now on, just telling stories about my life because yeah. it's kind of what I need to do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my oh I wrote television I forgot I wrote I was oh a, yeah when was a, that happening yeah yeah that was in the um what was that in the early eighties I think because yeah. it was Love Boat and Love Boat, uh, you wrote for what's happening what's happening I wrote, now? yeah I wrote um, television scripts I hated writing for television what did you hate about it well the thing I like to say is that because you have so many people that are over you, you have the producers and the thing and the executives and the thing, and in television, I don't know, I don't think now a lot of them are like that, but I always, I always compare it to um, a dog can't walk by a tree without pissing on it. You know, to, That's how they were. Each of them made a little change. Each of them made a little change until your work was nearly unrecognizable, and had they made it better, I wouldn't have cared but they always dumbed it down. Mm. And um, after a while, I thought, and I still had the voiceover. The whole time I had the voiceover career, so I didn't need. Which is great. Thank you, God. Otherwise, I would have done whatever they wanted me to. Yeah. You know? But, um, yeah, so I just, and we had an agent, William Morris, nice guy. But I just, he said, you know, let's see what else you can, I said, you know, just not interested. I think that's an important moment for any person who's doing something when you have to realize, like, when you're doing it to do it versus doing it because you love doing it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, and and I I um, I love every you know that I've never had to go to an office from nine to five in my entire life. That's pretty fantastic. And do you know how lucky I am to say that? And that only 5% of Screen Actors Guild members actually support themselves in the business, and I'm in that 5%. Do you, I mean, when I tell you that I feel so blessed a thousand times over, I mean it. Yeah. You know, so freelance can be the worst thing in the world unless you're working all the time. Right. <laughs> in which case, and then it's fantastic. Great. Good schedule you know, and you're working. Yeah, I can go to a movie in the afternoon, you know. Any last thoughts about Batman that you... Uh... I'm very glad to be part of something that's such a huge legacy. Mm-hmm. I had no idea when we, when we did it. Who knew? You know, who knew? Nobody. And um, it's all a little bit of a dream to me because there's a surreal thing about talking into a microphone and then seeing it, you know, when it's produced. Yeah, very transformative. It is. And then... But also knowing that all you did was talk into a microphone, that the whole mythology, the whole thing about it is something that was completely out of your control and that all you did was say somebody else's words. And it's, you know, assumed this thing. It's fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me. Poison Ivy is just a very sexy, fun, you know, green thingy and the great, she's a great body. She's also, which I liked, a bit of a feminist, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, she was no... She used her female, uh, you know, sexuality to get what she wanted, obviously, but she was strong. Well, that's what and was cool, especially her. as the character, like, progressed in yeah. the series or when she yeah. would show up with Harley or other people. She was yeah. always kind of the driving force of, like, no, stand up for yourself. That's right. <laughs> You're dating a sociopath. That's right. <laughs> you know? Ex- yes, exactly. Much fun. 
much fun. And what yeah. a cool character to play. Oh, lovely character. You're Very fantastic. Pleased. I, I love oh. your work. So. Oh, thank you. Shall I do a Poison Ivy voice? Yeah, actually. Because actually, that's who I was, just like that. She was a little younger. She was very much used the kind of the whisper voice, Mm -hmm. you know, and she could do all kinds of things with that. Well, there you have it, guys. See? What a way to close things out. Thank you so much, Diane. Uh, Such a pleasure. Thank you. All right, that's our show. As many of you know, I produce and edit the show by myself in my spare time. So I set up a Patreon page recently so you guys can donate to keep things going. A bunch of you have already pledged to contribute, and it's super duper nice, and I'm really appreciative. So appreciative that I just said super duper unironically. I've got donation incentives, if that's your thing, including limited edition stickers from our podcast, vintage Batman the Animated Series pogs and other merchandise, opportunities to ask guests questions ahead of time, and even the chance to chat Batman on this podcast for everybody to hear. Not to mention a bunch of other stuff that I didn't mention. Check it out. I'll be adding more stuff at the beginning of the next month, so please check out patreon.com slash podcast and donate whatever you can if you can. Also, please rate and subscribe and comment on the show on iTunes. It helps. Follow BTAS Podcast or Hey Justin on Twitter for updates. Email me at BTASpodcast at gmail.com and go to BTASpodcast.com if you like websites about the same thing. Batman the Animated Podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Justin Michael. Tom Smith created the show logo, and Casey Trela helped produce the theme song. Harry Chaskin is the voice of the podcast, and Jace Armstrong will be made immortal as Kevin Conroybot. Thanks to my guests Diane Pershing and Alana Gospinetich. Special thanks to Pat Jansen for sound engineering, Whitney and Blair from Stupid Buddy Studios, and Thomas Pino, a fan of the podcast who put me in touch with Diane and made this episode possible. Very cool. Thank you, Thomas. Lastly, thanks to This American Life producer, Tori Malatia, who surprised me awake by tapping on my window late last night to tell me... They can bury me in the ground as deep as they like, but I'll grow back. We always grow back. Don't we, baby? Yeah, man, sure. Whatever you say. Just just put your shirt back on, okay? All right, see you in another couple weeks for another brand new Batman the Animated Podcast.